Psalms 80, Psalms 89. I will sing continually about the, the Lord's faithful deeds. To future generations, I will proclaim your faithfulness. For I will say, loyal love is permanently established. In the skies, you have set up your faithfulness. The Lord said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have made a promise on oath. Yeah. <laughs> to David, my servant. I will give you an eternal dynasty and establish your throne throughout all future generations. Oh, Lord, the heavens praise your amazing deeds as well as your faithfulness in the angelic assembly. For who in the skies can compare to the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? Oh, God, who is honored in the great angelic assembly and more awesome than all who surround him. Oh, Lord. Sovereign God, who is strong like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the proud sea, and when its waves surge, you calm them. You've crushed the proud one and killed it. And with your strong arm, you've scattered your enemies. The heavens belong to you, as does the earth. You made the world and all it contains. You've created the north and the south. Tabor and Hermon rejoice in your name. Your arm is powerful and your hand is strong. Your right hand is victorious. Equity and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loyal love and faithfulness characterize your rule. Now, blessed are the people who worship you. Oh Lord, they experience your favor. They rejoice in your name all day long and are vindicated by your justice. For you give them splendor and strength. And by your favor, we are victorious. Our shield belongs to the Lord, our King, to the Holy One of Israel. You spoke through a vision to your faithful followers, and you said, I've energized a warrior. I've raised up a young man from the people. I have discovered David, my servant. And with my holy oil, I have anointed him as king. My hand will support him. My arm will strengthen him. No enemy will be able to exact tribute from him. A violent oppressor will not be able to humiliate him. I will crush his enemies before him. I will strike down those who hate him. He will experience my faithfulness and loyal love. And by my name, he will win victories. I will place his hand over the sea and his right hand over the rivers. He will call out to me, you are my father, my God, and the protector who delivers me. I will appoint him to be my firstborn son and the most exalted of the earth's kings. I will always extend my loyal love to him and my covenant with him is secure. I am giving forth an eternal dynasty and will make his throne as enduring as the skies above. If his sons reject my law and disobey my regulation, if they break my rules and do not keep my commandments, I'll punish their rebellion by beating them with a club, their sin by inflicting them with bruises. But I will not remove my loyal love from him, nor be unfaithful to my promise, and I will not break my covenant or go back on what I promise. Once and for all, I have vowed in my own holiness, I will never deceive David. His dynasty will last forever. His throne will endure before me like the sun. 
It will remain stable like the moon. His throne will endure in the skies. Please bless you this morning, Lord, for your loyal love. For We thank you, Jesus, for who you are, even in this place this morning. Bless us as we enter into, and we bless your name, Lord, as we enter into worship to praise you and give you glory and the honor that you are due. Amen.
of your mind Until his kingdom is all that resides Accept his blood, the king is away. 
contend for the promise. Here they are, and I'm begging under. Oh, yeah, that I contend for the promise. Here I am, and I'm boiling Oh, you are chosen, set apart, consecrated. God's very own son and daughter, set apart. Trust me, oh, then come up here, come up here and see the things I will do. Come up here and hear the things I will say. Unveil yourself, quit trying to be something I didn't make you to be. Contend for what I've made you to be. Oh, come up here and see what I will do. Come up here and hear what I will say. Come up here, oh, and see how I see, view how I view. Oh, will you trust me? Trust me. Will you trust me? Faith. My faith, 
Revelation chapter 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the earth had ceased to exist, and the sea existed no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, descending out of the heaven from God, made ready like a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, the residence of God is among the human beings. I see this from the Lord. He will live among them. This is our promise. And they will be with him and he will wipe every tear from their eyes and death. Death will not exist anymore, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the former things have ceased to exist. One seated on the throne said, look, I'm making all things new. Then he said to me, write it down, because these words are reliable and true. He said, it is me. Oh, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. Listen, to the one who is thirsty, I'll give water free of charge from the springs of the water of life. And the one who conquers will inherit these things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. Listen, he says, but to the unbelievers, the cowards, the detestable persons, the murderers, the sexually immoral, and those who practice magic spells, the idol worshipers, and all those who lie, their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. That is the second death. Listen, the new Jerusalem, 
I can see it. The lights in the heavens coming down and like it's like a pyramid coming out of the heavens. We've never been this far before. Lord. Outside of time and space. Lord. We want a habitation, Lord. So we get habit, inhabit, a habitation with you, Lord.
adore him.
take an opportunity here to pray for some healing issues that the uh, Holy Spirit is just speaking about. And one of them is, this is a very different kind of healing issue, but um, it has to do with a gallbladder. And um, I can't get it out of me, so I'm just going to say, um, I don't know if any of you, and I don't know if you would even know if you had an issue with your gallbladder, but uh, does anybody know that or have an issue with gallbladder in this room a dad okay um and then i have another issue that the holy spirit keeps speaking me as and it's uh based in right hip pain there's a pain in the right hip anybody having pain in your right hip okay jan okay which would, would you two come here and stand and if if you feel that would you come up behind them and go ahead and pray because the lord's going to heal the gallbladder and the right hip issue right now and so I just want to pray over them for their healing. Right hip and gallbladder. Thank you, Lord. Uh, one of the issues that one of the issues that we that we're saying to me is, is uh, Dad, on you it must be a gallstone issue. And so Jesus, we ask you right now. Uh, these stones in the gallbladder, we know by your miracle hand that you can eradicate the stones, Lord, and remove them. So we just thank you, Lord, um, for bringing healing right now. Thank you, Lord. And then, Lord, for this right hip for Jan Ball, I just ask you, Jesus, just to touch her right now and that you would have full release of the healing in your hip. Lord, we just thank you. Uh, migraines. Anybody dealing with migraines um, in this room? Issue with migraines? If you have a migraine issue, now don't don't hold back. Just come forward. We're gonna pray over you. Is this you, Josephine? Okay. All right. Let's pray over Josephine. Is this right? Okay. Jesus, we just ask you right now a word for healing. Thank you, Lord. I just pray that. Lord, when light comes into her eyes, Lord, uh, I just ask you, Lord, that you just heal her or touch her in her eyes, Lord. I just pray that you would just touch her. I just pray that this pain that goes on just be taken care of this morning by your hand and by your anointing. We just thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing healing this morning. Oh, we thank you, God, for healing, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you can heal and touch and deliver us and liberate us and set us free. Oh, that you're so good. You're so good, Lord. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. We give you praise, Lord. We give you honor and we give you glory for your great.
great healing touch. I have one other one other question here. Um, it's a um, uh, it's maybe this is a question in a room. I, I don't know. Maybe sometimes we have the elephant in a room. But the question is: is what about me? You know, what about my time? I don't know if it's a healing issue. I don't know if it's a relational issue. I don't know what it is, but if this question is in your head right now, what about me? Uh, raise your hand. What about me? All right. What about me? <laughs> what about me? Oh, listen to the Holy Spirit speak over you that says, what about me? Well, I delight in you, says the Lord. I've not forgot you. And I am an ever-present help in your time of need. And I will meet you in the daytime, in the morning, and I will meet you in the close of the day because I love you, says the Lord. For I delight in you. Receive the delight of the Father. Receive the delight of the Son. Receive the delight of Holy Spirit as sons and daughters. You matter, says the Lord matter says the Lord cast all your cares on me for I care for you throw all your cares swing them on to the grace of God receive from the grace of God receive from the love of a father no more disconnect I will not be disconnected from the goodness of my father I was made for him and created for him he delights in me he longs for me. He longs for me. He longs for me. He wants to be with me. He saw me even when I was in my mother's womb. And even before time began, I was with him. A great revelation, Lord, of our predestination and election, our calling that would be made sure this morning. this, I will never leave you nor forsake you, says the Lord. But what about my guilt from the past? What about how I don't know how to handle things in the future? And Hebrews would say that while it's called today, right now, right now, right now, not thinking about our future, not thinking about what's happened in the past, but right now, receive the grace of God for your soul right now right now in this moment in this moment where we're at right here right now we worship you Lord right here right now courage to trust that he loves me courage to know that he delights in me right here right now take the proclivity of self-awareness off of us that we would know that we are found in you oh I'm loved oh I'm greatly loved greatly loved greatly adored greatly wanted greatly pleased with greatly loved 
Listen, hear this from the Lord. You know, you, you really got to get hold of this. No weapon. I believe this is Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. None. None. No weapon. We, we got to get a hold of this. We come under the shelter of the Most High, Psalms 91. We can dwell under the shadow of the Most High. We can dwell underneath where Adam and Eve fell from. We can go right back into that place with the Lord and eat from the tree of the life and have fellowship with our Father. No weapon formed against you, no weapon formed against your families will prosper. That means that it can't get ground because we're under his divine protection. We're under his divine provision. We're under his divine direction. Everything for life and godliness is yours. Everything for life and godliness is yours. Everything that's been provided in the grace of God is yours. Shall angels, shall demons, shall any other powers come against the very love of God? Can anything stand in the very love of God? Nothing, nothing's greater than his love. Well, I pray that we would comprehend, like Paul said, Ephesians 3.18, what is the length, the width, the breadth, the height of the love of God? Jimmy, receive the love of God for your soul. Receive his love. Receive his love, not the testimony, not the testimony of what others may say, but the testimony of Jesus. Receive the testimony of the love of God. Let your soul be completely enraptured in God's love. Oh, man. Oh, this is everything. Oh, to know your love, Lord, to experience and be delighted in to be longed for, to be wanted. Nobody can take this away from us. I know that we do this within the house of God a lot, but I request something of you because I, I saw this with the Lord. It, um, there's a light in your hands that you can grab hold of in the Lord. And if you put your hands out with me, I know some of you can't, but I worship you. I delight in you. I love you. Oh, I give you praise and honor and thanksgiving and glory for your goodness and your mercies are new every morning. You can reach out to him. It's, a, it's just submission to him. It's just saying, 
return. There's a returning, a returning, a returning to the greatness and goodness of our Father. We love you. Yes.
before Stephen was singing that, I had like a, a vision of this, and I love how the Lord works in our life, but he'll come up and bandage up the wounds, even in our physical bodies, but he kept showing me this picture of the human heart, and um, he's putting a white cloth around it, and um And he's sharing this with me. He says, I want to heal the broken heart this morning. This is in your soul. Um, not the physical component of the heart. The world will heal that as well. But this is, this is the relational aspect of God healing our hearts to love. Listen. Listen, some, for some of us, relationships have been really tough, and we've been through some stuff. I mean, I mean some hurt. And, um, you know, you go out for love, and then you get pushed back, and it hurts really bad. You know, when you go out for love, and you say, I'm going to let my heart be exposed again with someone, and, and here's your heart. And then someone takes it and stabs it. It is really, 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 really painful. Um, but um, here, right now, right now, what the Lord wants us, what He wants to do for you right now, is heal you in this place. Yay for the purpose, and you might say, no, this is impossible. I can never do this. But yay for the purpose to sign up for love again. Yay to take courage again to love. But if I go there, the wounding is so painful. If I, if, if I, if I open myself up again, I'm going to get devastated. I'm going to get wounded. I'm going to get hurt again. Spirit wants to heal your and mine heart again. I've been here many times, Carol. Sign up again. But but let there be a healing uh, touch from the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, um, there's no fear in love. Perfect love cast out fear but hey Carol you know we have to have boundaries just listen to listen to this listen to this let the Holy Spirit establish your boundaries because he might push you across a boundary sometimes and he might tell you to retain yourself because love is sometimes it's a door and sometimes it's a wall and we need wisdom to know, am I supposed to build a wall here or am I supposed to go through a door? But if he's called you to go through a door, in love, take courage. But if he told you to build a boundary and that's the way that he wants you to develop love, then be okay with establishing a boundary. Because either one of them are a mechanism of God's love. And I ask the Holy Spirit right now for the wisdom for you and the courage for you 
to be healed. The wisdom and the courage to know when to bring forth your heart and when to retain it. The wisdom and the courage to know when it's time for you to sign up again, but it, you're like, if I go there, it really hurts me. They're going to take advantage of me. They'll use me for their own benefit in the Lord. Or they'll be angry at me because I put up a boundary and the Lord said, don't talk to this person right now. Hold back your tongue from them. Don't reach across and try to grab towards them because they're pushing you away. That you would have wisdom to know. Do I build a wall or do I go through a door? Jesus, give us this wisdom this morning, this wisdom to know how to love. And we wouldn't grasp. But we would get our eyes just, you know, turned up towards you, and then we would just we would look at you right now. I have a I have a good report for you that in this place you will see. You will see what we're saying this morning, a great victory and a great miracle come into your life. I I, want to speak this over you, that a great miracle, a great miracle will happen to you. What you long for to see, what the Lord is saying is, pitch up your eyes from whence cometh your help. Your help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Pitch up your eyes unto the King and and look at Him. And you will receive the victory. And you will receive a reward.
Amen. Amen. Welcome to this uh, weekend event. We uh, this last oh, it was last weekend. Oh, Holy Spirit, um, Kara and I were just standing in the room in Charlotte at her parents' house, and it's like it just comes out of my mouth at. The Lord will bring forth a consortium of light. And um, the Lord's like, and I can feel the press of the Lord come on that. And I said, I had to go look up consortium. And many of you may know what consortium may mean. I, I certainly did not. But it, in a, they've used that word in a business sense to talk about how businesses will come together and form what's called a consortium uh, where like minds will come together to try to suppose, like, sort of like think tank and uh, union themselves together to come up with a solution maybe to a problem or a business niche or something like this. And, and then, but I've, I, you go deeper into the etymology of consortium and <clears throat> the term um, was used uh, years ago as a law term. And if, and, and this was the way it was used, it, it was, used that if a husband, or excuse me, a wife did not give her husband his uh, desires in uh, certain ways, that he could sue his wife according to the law, and that was called a consortium. And later on, that wasn't fair for the lady, so, you know, they said, well, we can sue you according to the law if you don't give us what our passions and longings are, and, and that was what a, a consortium was. And, and, and so I, I just, the words like, go dig deeper into it from that. Look at the root word of consortium, and the root word of consortium is consort. And how many of you have heard this word before, consort? Okay. A consort is a spouse of a reigning monarch. Um, and so the spouse of the reigning monarch is called a consort. And it really just started to, I started to really think about what's going on in our ministry and what happened with us last week. I think last week, at least for me personally, was the most difficult event I've ever been in. Uh, the most, like, what is going on in this set? And I, I'll, I'll tell you personally, I did not experience the presence of God or the power of God. And sitting in the middle of that, I was really troubled. Uh, and, of course, maybe you could see that, but I just could not connect at all. So later that night, I had a few people call and different things, and it, it basically came down to Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. And I, I wanted to share this with you um, for a moment, and, and we'll transition here for a minute and then uh, we'll prepare for our offering 
But if you'll just bear with me for a minute in this, because it's very important that this, um, this comes out. Now, Genesis 3.9 says, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with Genesis 3. But Genesis 3.9, listen, it says, But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? It's the first question God ever asked in Scripture. Where are you? And um, that night, I, I, Sunday night last week, I was like, I was like, Lord, I, I definitely felt completely disoriented. Um, I would say spatially disoriented. Uh, after flying aircraft, if you get spatially disoriented, that's not a good thing. But there's one thing they tell us in spatial disorientation is, Make sure to pay attention to your instruments because you could be upside down, you could be, you know, like this, or you could be different ways, and it's very dangerous if you're in the clouds and get spatial disoriented. And that was my experience. The only other thing I could tie it to uh, last Sunday was when, when I was in flight training, they, they put us in like this big round tube of like a cockpit of an aircraft, put a helmet on us, put us in full gear, strapped us in, put a mask over our... Uh, face with blacked out goggles and they took the took it and dunked it underwater turned it upside down and said get out of this upside down blacked out get out of your straps you know you're in full gear uh, get out of the the heart the yoke and everything and get through a window and I remember I I said man I don't know how I'm going to get out of this thing because uh, when it, when you get turned upside down that it confuses your mind and you'll think that way's that way and this way's that way and it, you're all confused and you think I'm I'm not but you you get completely out and I remember I said I'm going to just grab a handhold and just hold on to it and when it goes upside down in the darkness I'm going to put my left hand on my five point harness I'm going to unpack it unlock it and I'm gonna just pull in one direction and uh, I did that and I got through this little window you can't see get through the window get out above the water and they have divers in the water and they can pull this machine up out of the water in a minute because some of uh, the aviation students um, one of them panicked I mean completely lost it panicked and yeah I think you get two attempts and if you don't pass that you're out you know of the program and um, that was my experience last week. That's the only thing I could exp uh, tie it to. And you have to get a handhold <laughs> because when you when you get like that, you've got to find where you, where your your help comes from, right? <laughs> you know, because if you don't grab hold, you won't you won't know where you're at. And so I was, I said, Lord, I was spatially disoriented. I couldn't lock on to the presence. And then if I can lock on to God's love, then I can. Basically, like Paul, I can lose my mind, and then we'll have a great meeting. But if I lock into my mind, you know, the cognitive thinking, it goes south really bad. I don't know if you all have noticed this, but relationship with the Lord is not necessarily your mind and your intellect are informed and your emotions are informed, but that's not how faith works. It's a trust. And so now, now hear this out. First question in the garden. Um, the Lord called to the man and said to him, what? Where are, you? Where are you? You know what's interesting about that? The next question he's going to ask him is, who told you you were naked? The second question he'll ask is an identity question. 
But the first question he asked is a spatial question. And I thought that's an interesting thing. I don't, many of you have had child rearing and raised children and you're like, what are you doing? They don't, why did you do that? That's not a good question to ask children. <laughs> They're like, because I don't know why I did that, you know, or what are you doing? Uh, I'm caught and, or who are you? What kind of person are you? But then step this thing back a little bit more. Why does God say, where are you? And this is what he said to me. He said that in the fall of man, when they sowed the fig leaves on, Adam and Eve were beings primarily and related to the Lord by light. Now, and because there was this light transference, they were constantly in relationship with the Father, the the God who's moving through the garden. They were in full... um, contact with him based in light and and they had that light what happened with the fig leaf is it became diminished and I said Lord what's happening in our ministry he said this is one way you could think of it you know GPS global positioning system and you have to have a fix on certain satellites to get a location fix here on the earth right so you'll know where you're at in your, your X, Y, Z, and T, your time and your X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z uh, perspective. You'll kind of know where you're at. And many of you may have come here this morning, I don't know, on a GPS fix. But what the Holy Spirit said to me is GPS can fail. It actually can be jammed. If this was to happen in our nation right now... <laughs> I mean, just imagine if GPS got jammed, cars be running in. I mean, especially as it becomes more automated. The Holy Spirit said this to me. You must allow me to build a navigation system in you based out of celestial navigation. He fixed the stars and the in their places. And he's like, and I, I don't know if you know this, but even even the Naval Academy right now is going back to celestial navigation and had stopped that program in the early 1980s because of technology. And some things that we've relied on are not going to carry us into where we're headed with the Lord. Our reliance is going to have to be not even from sound, but from light. Um, We're headed this way. We're headed into having to be not spatially disoriented based in, uh, because we need light. And the human, when the Lord made us, uh, when he made male and female, when he created you and I, he created us, our soul was developed to be able to interact with light. And when the fall happened, it started to disconnect us from this relationship with Father coming out of the heavens by light and we would associate with him. How do I know this to be true? There's many places in Scripture, but I'll tell you one guy that's probably my favorite book in the Bible, Job. Now, y'all might say, how in the world could that be your favorite book? I love the book of Job. Job 42, verse 5, I believe it says. And I, I've heard of you. 
by the hearing of the ears. Remember this? But now what? Now my eyes, what? See you. What's the difference there? Sound and what? Light. He said, I heard about you, but now I'm seeing you. Seeing me. Seeing you. Seeing me. Seeing you. And I abhor myself, he said. I repent in dust and ashes. Job, through his struggle, had a revelation of light. And because of that revelation of light, take, uh, go to Isaiah chapter 11. He said, he will not make any more judgments on what his eyes see or what his ears hear. What does that mean? That means there's some kind of relationship with the Godhead based in light that we can associate with him that our parents, Adam and Eve, became diminished in. Let me, let me tie this together a little bit. When the Lord said, go to the YMI downtown Asheville, He's like, I want you to look at the history of Asheville. I go dig into this and find out that Asheville was originally named Eden land. And the Lord said, I'm going to take up people and bring them back into a garden and restore them even unto me. I will draw together a remnant and I will bring this remnant together And yea, I will give 10,000 new converts. I'm pulling a remnant back. And you can, now, you can see that there's some kind of level of pressure on what we've engaged with. Why? Because I'll tell you why. Your enemy and my enemy does not want you to get a revelation of God seeing you, seeing him, seeing you. He doesn't want, he will fight our families tooth and nail for that outside of these four walls to stop us from getting a revelation of the love that beams out of the fifth dimension of God's love over us and the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He would do everything he could to stop that because if a people would gather and the human heart, the human soul would and experience the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we would know the chief among 10,000, Jesus Christ himself. And he would um, unopen us up and we would be opened up to receive light. And light would flow out of us and light would come from us. An awakening will happen. And mark the words from this Preacher, that awakening is happening and awakening will come and hit this whole entire earth because the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ will be seen in this end times like never before. And we are being made ready in Eden land. You and I have been drawn by him. And listen, we can't pay attention to what our eyes see and what our ears hear in the natural dimension. Why? What was the trap of Eve? What happened to Adam? Listen to what it says earlier on in three. What does it say? And the serpent comes to her and said, listen, um, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. (laughs) You see how deceptive he is? 
And do you know what, do you know what this, the Lord pointed us out to me? When the woman saw that the tree produced fruit that was good for food, and listen, was attractive to the eye and was desirable for making one wise. Now, Adam's standing there all on, so we're not, this isn't an attack on eat. The man and the woman both sinned against God. But what, what, was, the, what was the problem? Beauty, attraction, with the natural dimension of the eye. To co-opt that natural dimension, to get into what we see in the natural, beauty, attraction, and wisdom to make oneself wise. The feminine, the feminine aspect is beauty. The masculine aspect is wisdom. And the enemy comes in and tr- tr- tricks them to get their eyes, to get them to look at physical attraction and the mind of, fit, of, of natural wisdom to get them off of what? This mediation of light from the Father and this relational light that comes from him to them, back to them. They were living in the context of love. They were, in, they, they were in the context of God's presence continually. Oh, can you imagine such a thing? Can you imagine being in God's presence repetitively? One encounter after another, after another, after another. No more forlornness. No more wondering, am I cared for or desired? No more, it's all done. Non-stop affection transition um, non-stop this is where we're going so much that the spirit and a bride will say come Lord Jesus this is where this is heading this whole storyline is headed there light 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 and so I was I, I became excited because um, before we came in to this place Edenland originally called by a man whose last name is David's son <laughs> I was like, oh, we entered in through the gate. What was the gate? The flaming cherubs. We came into an environment together here in Edenland. And what does the Lord begin to do? He's dealing with identity issues. Who told you you were naked? I was so excited, even though last week, Sunday was the most difficult Sunday I've ever been in. Service I've ever been in in my life. I was so excited because we were backing up all the way to the lie. The ministry's on its way all the way backwards. And I saw it. I saw that, oh, man, we come through the garden. Then the who question. Now the what question. We're not too far off from saying, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. We're not too far off from being fully exposed and being okay with it. Listen, this is our glory. You know, so many people that are trying to hide a part of themselves, they're ashamed. I've been ashamed. I've dealt with shame most of my whole entire life. But when the Holy Spirit starts to take the shame off, you know, my daughter's like, Dad, don't lose it today, you know, Elizabeth. I was like, when love comes, I can't handle it. And if I can't handle it, I'll be, I told her, I said, I'll get more undignified than this. 
Why? Not because God's not filled with dignity, but because they don't matter anymore. It doesn't matter what someone else socially thinks about you or because the layers are coming off. The layers that have covered us and covered us and convoluted us and caused us not to be real, authentic, and integrous. It's, it's time for it all to come off. And that's why it would be, but this, this won't be the case, but that's why it would be difficult to come in into an environment like this because you, you have to begin to say, God, strip off the layers of what has caused me to be disconnected from you as my father. And you would have to partner with him in that and say, I'm done with it. It's over for me. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of trying to be somebody for someone else and try to do all these things to be be pleasing. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being not who I am. I want to be who I am in Christ because who I am in him. You know, when this happens, that's what we experience when the presence of God comes in. You're like, whoa, I'm who I am in the Lord. You know, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) We don't have to be that, that person we were told that, that's who you are and you'll never amount to anything and you're a loser or, or hey, you're really successful and that's what makes you who you are. No, I'm, I'm who I am because he delights in me and loves me and he's with me and he's in, he's in me and I live and move and have my being in him and that's who I am. And now we don't have to be spatially dislocated anymore. Why? Because God will come and inhabit us, not just visit us. The Lord wants a habitation, not a visitation. I love visitations, but man, I want for a habitation of God. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, okay, that was good, but here I am back in me. You see what I'm saying? I don't want that anymore. Do you? No, you don't, because you wouldn't be here if you did. (laughs) I don't want a visitation. I want the very dwelling place of God, the tabernacle among Man, I want the Shekinah glory, not I want the golden Shekinah, not the golden calf. I don't want to mechanize God anymore and form a God in my own image and likeness. I want God to be God and do what God wants to do. I want God's love to come and I want God's love to eradicate all of our all of our disconnection and discontinuity with him. I want him for him himself. I woke up this morning, it's like Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 10. He's the chiefest among 10,000. <laughs> Song of Songs, chapter 8. Hey, you keepers of the vineyard, you can have your 200, and Solomon, you can have your 1,000, but I'll take him. You can have, you can have your, you can have this world's good. You can have whatever. You can have it. Even, even, even within the, she's saying, even within the church setting. A human soul, hey, you keepers of the vineyard, y'all can have your 200. Well, hey, you Solomon, who's the king of Israel, you can have your 1,000. I'll take him. I'll take, I'll take him who's, a, who's above a nation. I'll take him who's above the local church. I'll take him. You see what I'm saying? I'll take him. That's who we want. That's why we're here. And I, I believe that 
Holy Spirit's going back this thing up all the way to Genesis 1. <laughs> till we hit Genesis 0. We were in Him and with Him before time began. You know, there's a Genesis 1 power coming to the church when he breathed and spoke into existence the very framing of the earth. That Genesis 1 power is going to be restored to God's people and he will receive all the glory and majesty that he is due. So let us stay. I want to encourage you, stay committed. And during the week, while the layers, at least this is happening in mine and Kara's life, our family's life, while the peeling off, and you're like, ah, <laughs> oh, that hurts. Why? Because there's a consortium of light where male and female become one, where our marriages, where those who are not within marriage but are a part of our family become one, where there's a union like John 17 speaks about, a union in love. There, this will, this will happen. Your, your those of you, I'll put this in the uh, email this week. Those of you who are not within the a marriage covenant, he says he even takes those who are outside of that and sets them within a family. And so even you that are single have been set within a family. So God is not going to push off you. And so I want to say that, but in our marriages, the greatest unity that has ever been known will happen in our husbands and our wives. There will be a love that will come between us like we have never been able to conceive of or know. And I pray this over our entire house and every single marriage, that the unity of male and female will be to a capacity and the exploration of the union of God will be unprecedented in this hour while the world system is going in a complete opposite direction on marriage. God will bring a restoration in the family. Your, the husband and wife teams will be made as close and as union as never before. Unprecedented. You will have full fellowship in the light. And Sadie, uh, we're going to come up front and, and do a demonstration for us. So you ready, Leander? Maybe not. Maybe so. <laughs> and Sadie. It's interesting. Uh, I asked Cameron, I said, what is God saying to you right now about uh, giving? And she said, uh, Matthew 2. And then... And that's the, you know, this is the birth of Jesus and the celebration. And then uh, Carol 
told me that when Matthew and Sadie were at home, they got out uh, the manger scene and they started talking about worship and praise in Jesus. You guys want to? You guys want to tell them what you said? About, you want to tell them what you said about Jesus, worshiping Jesus? You can come out here too, Sadie. Come on. It's okay. That we come to worship Jesus. The worshiping Jesus. I don't know if you can feel. I'm gonna tell you, there's an anointing coming. We come to worship Jesus. Go ahead, say. And when he said they are coming to worship Jesus, he said there's not enough people. I agree. Is there anything else? No. no? Okay. So um, uh, Cameron's going to Cameron's going to read uh, some of Matthew two, and um, yeah. and then I'm going to say a few things. Obviously, this is a really yeah. Why don't you guys stay up here for a minute, if you don't mind? Um, This is obviously a very familiar passage, but I wanted to highlight a couple things. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? King is important. John will highlight that later. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Worship is the other important word. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them that what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced, with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. He again worshipped. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And again, the next part, their worship was tied in with gifts given to the king. So John's going to I want to draw your attention to it now because I don't know if you can see or not. But see, Sadie and Leander arranged the worship around baby Jesus while we were talking. Just They just naturally arranged the worship. And then Sadie began to, to fly the angel around in a circle up here uh, over the top of it. And, uh, you know, that, that's from, a, from the mouth and the, from the minds of children saying, come and worship me in spirit and in truth. Come and these. They said they were wise men who bought their very best from afar into 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 baby Jesus as he was born. 
You know, and I, I, I asked the Lord this morning, I said, um, what? B- because there is, there, there is the gift of giving in the body of Christ. And I said, Lord, what, is, what, what would you highlight is the most joyous celebration of giving that I've ever been in? And he carried me back to a, a very, very poor Indian village in Guatemala. I was way up on the mountain. They still dressed in Indian garb. The town was probably four to 5,000 people. And uh, there was no running water there. Everything was carried in. The lighting was very poor. We stayed there a, a while ministering. And, but the first Sunday morning that we went into the church, there was bushels of corn lined up in front of the altar. And I asked the interpreter, I said, what is happening? He said, he said, they're bringing the people that this church, two or 300, which is almost 10% of the town. They're bringing their first fruits or bringing their harvest to the altar. They were grateful for what God had provided all corn. They were bringing the best of what they had to, not to the pastor, but to Jesus. They were so grateful for the corn that had been raised. And I looked up and there was live chickens in back, stacked up on top of there. And the Lord said, I rejoice in this, John. He said, he said, what they have, they're bringing to me. You understand? They're bringing to me the best of what they have. And there was many other things there too. And I asked him, so I asked the interpreter, how is this broken down? He said, well, some of it will stay with the pastor and some of it will go to other people in the congregation that are very needy and others that parts of it will be distributed throughout the town. I mean this part of it with humility. But there's a scripture that says if you believe God's prophets you will prosper. That's what it's, I'm not, I'm not uh, telling you what John thinks about it, I'm telling you about what the word of God says about it. So Lord we bless the offering this morning God. Lord uh, in and, Lord, there was such poverty there yet, Lord, but such joy in giving, dear Heavenly Father. And I bless, uh, I bless that time there. I bless the time here this morning, dear Heavenly Father. We honor you, God. We bless you. We thank you, God, that we can bring into your treasury, dear Heavenly Father, what you've given us to bring, dear Heavenly Father. We, bl- we honor you, dear Heavenly Father, and bless you. I, I wanna, I, I'm going to say... There was so much giving there, but yet so much poverty. We fed hundreds and hundreds of children there, hundreds of them. Clothing, uh, a lot of them had never had a pencil in their life. And, um, and, and there was another group that went with us that bought, uh, that bought that kind of stuff. But, 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 but I believe with all my heart that they bought their very best at the altar that morning. Not 10% of it, but 20% of it, of the corn. Never seen anything like it in my life, and have yet to see it again. But I did catch the heart of the people to, to bring to the house of God. So that we bless this offering in the name of Jesus. I, I, I've got a, I want to, I want to, I want to show something here this morning too. This is off, off the offering now. Do you just bring your offering as you felt led by the Lord?
So Leander comes up this morning and hands me uh, this picture he drew. And he said, that's for you. And I said, thank you, Leander, so much. And, and it says, Leander, Moffat, Jude. And it's got, the, uh, it's got the line of the tribe of Judah drawn underneath it. And I said, Lord, why did you draw me this line? He said, Johnny, he gave you a portrait of himself coming into the fullness of the presence of being the line of the tribe of Judah into a and, and and very young age of understanding authority and speaking into things. He was, pro- he was giving me a picture of himself prophesied forward. Lord, we bless Leander. We bless every child in this room, dear Heavenly Father. We bless our divine destinies in you, dear Heavenly Father. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for, uh, for, for this gift from a child's heart, dear Heavenly Father. I bless it, and I bless every child in this room. And once again, I speak forth their divine destinies in you, O oh God. Let our children rise far above the things that we've come to, God. Lord, let them, let them rise above it, God. Lord, teach them to rule and reign with you, dear Heavenly Father. Teach them the things of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that they might come up on Mount Zion with you, God, and be taught there of the Lord. We bless you, God. We honor you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you as you give. You hold the reins of the sun and the moon. Horses driven by kings you cover the mountains and the valleys below with the breath of your mighty wing. Treasures of wisdom and things to be known, they're hidden inside of your hand. And in Fortunate turn of events, you ask me to be your friend. You ask me to be your friend, and you, you are my first, you are my Thank you. As many of you may know, we are in Luke chapter 1. I would have you stand with me this morning as we go to Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 46.
And Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has begun to rejoice in God, my savior, because he's looked upon the humble state of his servant. For from now on, all generations will call me blessed because he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. From generation to generation, he is merciful to those who fear him. He has demonstrated power with his arm. He has scattered those whose pride wells up from the sheer arrogance of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up those of a lowly position. He has filled the hungry with good things and he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel remembering her mercy. As he has promised to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. So Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months, and then she returned to her home. Let's pray. Lord, bless this, bless this moment when we enter into the proclamation of your word. Let it be. Let it be life and light to us. Let it let your words penetrate down deep into our soul, deeply into who we are in you. Carve out a place in us, Lord, like you did with Mary and made a womb ready, Lord, to receive by your Holy Spirit yourself. It would come forth out of her, and as you are building a, a womb in your end-time bride, your end-time remnant, as you've been preparing a people to prepare a place for you, that you may come and dwell, Let our hearts exalt you in praise and thanksgiving and glory and honor uh, that you are due. Let us begin to praise you and honor you and uphold you and lift you high. Let us begin this great crescendo of this moment when we see you for who you really are. That you would be demonstrated like you really are. That you would be known for who you truly are. Lord, that we would never shrink back. That we would never turn our hearts away from you. That we would be bold and courageous in love in this hour. It's a new day, Lord. A new day. A brand new hour. When you will be demonstrated to the earth for who you truly are. And we, the bride of Christ, will, we will represent you rightly and honor you. For you are the one who deserves all the dominion, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you can. 
as you know, and if you, if you haven't been able to listen to the sermons, you can, you can go into the email and you can select that and you get under Collider events and you can go in there and click on that. I, this is all leading up, you know, so it's, we had Project Black Lightning that we came out of and, and that lasted for about four or five weeks and now we're in this consortium of light. And so I, there's a foundation that's been laid in this text out of Luke chapter one that I believe is vital for your understanding. And I, and I, and I can't rehearse all of that, but I, I want to say, you know, and it, it says this in Zechariah 9, there's many places in scripture that says this, you know, flee to the stronghold, uh, flee to the stronghold of Zion and I will restore to you the double. And um, we demonstrated up here and, and even in Project Black Lightning that that God had ordained a promise and an oath. Um, he had ordained his presence and his power. He had ordained a Baptist and a Nazarene. He had ordained that John would be a forerunner of the first advent and in the second advent, the spirit of Elijah that was on John would come, excuse me, in this hour like never before on the end time remnant and that would bring in the second advent of our Lord. And so there's a partnership that you see here in this text and remember with me that Elizabeth and Zechariah in their older years what appeared to be poss impossible was possible. And we saw that presentation of Elizabeth to bring forth the Baptist out of impossibility, the spirit of Elijah, even in the end of this age. And we saw the impossibility of that because they were old in years. And, and we came to realize a number of applications. One, namely, you never are too old. You're never too far gone that God can't work in your life and manifest his miracle hand in your life. And so we learned something that God just dis, does not discount your omega years. And there's some of you here that are in, that are pushing into your sixties and things and that the Lord would, the Lord would have, you know, that your time, you, you, you the impossibility of, the, of God's work in your life will still manifest in your life to not lose hope and not give up because you're pushing out in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s because God moved on Zechariah and Elizabeth to bring forth the presence leader to say these are the things that you shouldn't do. Repent, turn and navigate your heart towards the Lord. But not just that, that the youth in this room those of you who are young, those of you who are in your early years, all the way, all the way down to the mother's womb this morning, that God would bring the impossibility of impregnating a virgin, right? Impossibly, they say she was around 14 to 16 years old. I don't know the exact time of Mary but she was a very young lady. And that the impossibility of God is represented in the youth and into the uh, senior generation. 
and that you, you can see with me that God had ordained the promise and the presence through John, but he had, was going to bring an oath and his power through Jesus. This is why even I, I shared this with you. Stephen and I did a dialogue together. It was wonderful. I've never done a dialogue. But even in our family lines, Stephen's raised a Baptist. I'm raised a Nazarene. You know, he's raised in Mountain Vintage, and I'm raising a Nazarene church. We're, we're raised up, and even, even God would even have his own humor of demonstrating. Even, even within this room, he would start to say, flee to the stronghold of Zion. I'm doing a double blessing. That God would bring down, and he would even, he would even use uh, firstborn sons that we are dedicated to the Lord, and he would even make a sign even unto us that, that he will come. And we learned that in Hebrews 6, that God had ordained by two irrefutable uh, acts or indisputable that God could not lie. He would bring forth a promise and an oath. Why? So that we could go beyond the veil, beyond the veil now, not when you die. That you and I could experience light behind the veil. There, there's a path for us to go through. Um, a path, in this, uh, like Cameron Harris said, a path where the train is going forward and knocking out everything. Kara said this is, as well, every obstacle that would hinder love. That everything that would hinder love that would take us beyond the veil... Uh, Dad had a vision of this. He saw the blood veil. Um, he, he said that everybody on this side of the veil were sort of forlorn and having a tough time with life. And he looked beyond the veil and the blood veil. And he said on the other side was a joy and people were excited and happy. John, had, John Harris had experience with the Lord in a dream. And he was asking the Lord, what is, what is uh, Carol talking about? He said the Lord took him into this 55 uh, inch height door that would probably be about this high I think off the platform what said 28 inches wide John 28 inches wide John's got a big chest he said he had to turn sideways to get in and kind of go down a little bit to go in there and he said all this meat was being uh, cut up inside there and all these young people were in there and they were there was such delight in that space and <clears throat> he said where's the bread he said, why are they not cooking bread in there? And uh, he called me and he said, uh, Carol, I've had a, a, a vision. I believe the Lord is sharing with me what you're talking about. He said, there was meat everywhere. It was wonderful. He said, but there was no bread. And I said, John, there's no bread in the most holy place. And he, the Spirit of God hit him and I on the phone together. Boom, comes down. He said, no, the bread was in the, was in the inner sanctuary. And we were pressing into the Ark of the Covenant. We were going into a place that was only the high priest could go in once a year. That we, that we, because Jesus rent the veil from top to bottom, we could have access into this place by a promise and an oath, by his presence and his power, by the Baptist and the Nazarene. Now, so, now you have the context for today. And this is, I believe that why would the Lord p 
picked this young lady, Mary. And I believe that she is the um, it's quintessentially what the, the receiving soul looks like. And that she's going to make this hymn of praise. It's amazing, her theology, her doxology. It's, it's profound, her revelation at such a young age of how she conceives of God. She had already been made ready by the Lord. She was a womb made ready for the, uh, the inbreaking of a seed that would bring forth the very Son of God. What is this womb? What is this human soul? What does this soul say to us today? This is what I believe the Lord is looking for in us. And listen to the words of Mary. As you listen to your own human heart, Mary said, My soul, my soul, my soul, my soul, my soul exalts. You, you think she, she's probably a little bit afraid. Who'd ever heard of such a thing? What a stigma for Joseph to go through. I mean, she's a spouse to him. Do you know in Israel there were only two options for him? Do you know what, you know what his two options were? Divorce her quietly, left-based. Stone her to death, right-based. That, that was what a righteous man would do to a woman who had been impregnated before she had been married. Do you understand the law? The legal law, he could have chose the legal side of the law, stone her to death. Hear me, hear me. He could have chose the liberal side of the law, divorce her quietly. Hey, let's keep this on the down low. We don't want anybody to know. We better get on about our business. I'll just act like nothing happened. I, I know the in-laws and everybody's going to kind of know, but i just going to go on about my business making me look bad. <laughs> my wife's pregnant before we are married. I mean, that was super frowned upon in that day. That is super frowned upon. So frowned upon it, again, Bring out the stones. You have to understand the context of the pressure of the right and the left-based system against this soul. Listen to me because this pressure that is coming down on the earth right now will be unlike anything ever before. Before the Lord comes back, there will be a legal law-based pressure that will come against God's people and will say, you must toe the line according to this law in this legal way. And it, and it, it, it very much more than likely will not be but what God is doing with this end time church. There are laws that will be told and enforced that you must obey them or suffer the punitive, suffer from the economic... pressure that will come against you in your work environment, in your lifestyle environment. That's how you get the right. You get them through economy. 
The, the right bows their knee through economy. It's like, I'm not going to do that, but they'll bow their knee because when you touch the bot, when you touch the wallet, it hurts. It hurts because how are we going to pay for things? How are we going to deal with this? The left's like, well, let's just move in fear. Do whatever they, whatever said. We might as well just, well, we're going to compromise a little bit on our integrity because I was a spouse to Mary, but I'm not, I'm going to kind of pull out and back out and I'm going to go sort of hide myself somewhere out of fear. I'm, I'm just going to keep a, I'm going to keep a low profile. What if Mary would have done that? What if Joseph would have done that? You see, when God begins to move a remnant in this last hour and there's pressure coming down from a right-based legal system and a left-based liberal system and it's coming and, and it's coming against it and, and here we are, the church, right? Here we are, the remnant offspring of God and the Lord says, say to me, uh, she says, my soul exalts the Lord, <laughs> This pressure's real. It's, it's just beginning with us. It's going to be real in your families. It, it's coming. Mark the word of the Lord because he's coming back and he's carving out a bride for himself. And we're going to have to take courage now like never before. If I was prepared and my wife were prepared for anything and there's many others being prepared for this hour, it was to encourage you in this particular way. If, if our end time ministry, do you know what the end time ministries are for? It's different than last day's ministries. Peter was a last day messenger, an apostle. John, John the apostle was an end time apostle. It'll take all our love. John was the one who put his um, head on the breast of Jesus. Peter, as great as his apostolic anointing was, who will prophesy and bring in a great harvest of souls right there at Pentecost, even that's not going to take us through. Even if our constituency gets larger, it will not carry us through into the end of the age. Here's what will, putting your very head on the breast of the Lord. It will be love of God that will take us all the way through. And this love is the most precious, most beautiful love. And all oh, we will know the very love of God in this hour like, like we've never known. It will take all your courage to love. The left. Just, just give in. Just, just take your integrity off a little bit. Just move this. The right. You better do what we tell you to because if you break this law... You can't break that law. You have to recognize this authority. Right now, some of the things are, okay, they're okay, you know. They're not really like, the pressure's not real, really real yet. When someone says you can't buy or sell, it gets real. It gets real when they say you can't, you can't make a transaction here anymore. It gets real when you have babies and you have family that you love. It gets real. I heard a guy the other day I was giving blood. He was telling me, and I, I can't 
substantiate this, but I'll say this, that Quanta Airlines, he was saying this, that unless he has a vaccine, he can't get on the Quanta. And I don't know if that's true, but he, he was saying that while I was sitting there getting, giving my blood. And I said, oh, Lord, oh, Jesus, help us, you know. Here, here, here's what we're going to have to do, remnant, offspring of the Father. Listen now, my soul exalts the Lord. The pressure's real. My soul. My husband, he don't even, well, thank God, God sent an angel to Joseph. You know, the Lord will deliver us. He delivered them out of Egypt. He delivered them through a sea. Who had ever heard of such a thing like that? Do you know there's a deliverance every time? I have found this with my own family. There is a deliverance every time if you'll maintain your integrity before the Lord. And I mean, take courage and say, I'm going on through. I can't see a way. There is no way. Every time he'll meet you. But don't give in to the lie. It's hard when family members are saying, what are you doing? And people are saying, what are you doing? That don't make a lick of sense. You say, I'm going after him. He made a way. Everything's on the line, folks. Everything's been on the line. It always has been. It's just now it's going to become more real. And this is glorious. Why? I love this. She says, my spirit has begun to rejoice. On the other side of the veil, dad's all rejoicing. Listen, this, we, we won't make it if we don't get on the other side of the veil. Even the inner court will, has held some, but where we're headed, you and I have to be at the mercy seat. You and I need the shadow of the Most High. We can't make it unless we're covered under the cherubim. We won't be able to survive. The pressure will be too unreal. We need the divine protection, provision, and direction of our Father. We need the light of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ to prevail. He's begun to rejoice. I've begun. My spirit now is beginning to. Paul will say, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. What Jesus will say in Hebrews, he'll say, he said, he looked for the what? Joy that was set before him, despising the shame. Nobody likes that cultural thing that comes against us, tries to shame us and puts pressure against us when we're standing for the Lord. You ever love somebody so much and you were made to feel bad for it? That's pain, man. It hurts. But hey, he's looked upon the humble state of his servant. Full dependency. God resists the proud but gives what? Grace to the what? The humble. Humble means I am completely dependent upon him. So he says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. That's really arrogant. (laughs) No. No, she's saying... She's saying this will happen from time immortal. Y'all know that there's a great cloud of witnesses looking down on you and, and me right now, and they're just championing us on. They see what's happening in here. They see you. They see when you signed up for love again. They saw it. They're watching us. 
They're looking down and they're saying, all generations will say, oh man, I wish I could have been, I wish I could be down there with that end time remnant. You know the Hebrews 11? You know those folks? Some of them were cut in half, put in caves. Hey, don't let me make you afraid or anything. This is glorious. <laughs> they're all watching us. They're saying, man, that's what, we didn't get to see the promise. But man, we stayed faithful. And now what we prayed for and what we moved in prayer for, that's going to happen to them, us. We get to be the ones. We get to be the ones in this very end time all the way through till we see our king in the air split the eastern sky. It says, um, he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Man, if I, if I couldn't even preach this message, and I'd have no right to if I hadn't seen the mighty hand of God in my own family. I have watched him demonstrate himself. And let me, yes, I may be a preacher, but let me just testify. Let me testify to the goodness of God. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, because I believe this with all my heart, I'm not put up here by the Lord because I have some kind of duplicity in my heart about this. I have seen the mighty hand of God work in a way when I said there is no possible way or conceivable way that our little family will make it through. And every single time, and you can ask Kara, he has met us. He is mighty. And it's so amazing, too, because it's in the little thing that usually that no one would pay attention to. It's in that little scrubby bush like Moses went and saw. That's where he'll be. And he'll be like, oh, that can't be God. Why is that thing not burning up? Every other bush in the desert is, but that one's not consumed. And there he is on the other side of it. You know the Aramaic word for that? It's really funny. It's last week. I was like, Lord, show me. He's like, you know, there's a place beyond your dimensional space that you can see. He's like, if you can find it in the light, you can know my direction for you. Teach this to my people. I looked down. I said, Lord, show me where the golden Shekinah is. And I, and I looked down and it says, Memra Yakera. That's <laughs> like, you got the biggest sense of humor, Lord, I, I've ever seen. It says, Memra Yorkera. It's, it's in the Hebrew, I mean, in Aramaic. He said, pay attention to her, you know. And I was like, who is she, Lord? Memra Yakera. And, and, and I was reading into this, and it says, the Shekinah glory of God rests on the other side of this Memra Yakera. Take the shoes off of your feet. The place you're standing is holy. It's the recognition of why the, bur the bush that does not burn up and is not consumed. Listen, hear me. It's happening in your life right now. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to give you revelation to see that there's a dimensional space that sits beyond your eyes and your ears. That's him. And he'll talk to you. And he will manifest himself to you. I, I, can't, I can't even describe this. I'm just telling you. It's true. Everything... He's right there. He's ever-present help in your time of need. He's right there. Memra Yakera is right there. Pay attention to what's going on around you in your life right now. Don't dismiss the small things. I had it happen this week. Uh, I told Kara, 
I gave her this kind of thing, and I said, you know what? I, I, dis, I dismiss basically this is paraphrasing my own speech to her, but every single thing that I can conceive of. And I submit myself to the Lord out of no conception, out of my own mind. And uh, I step out of the truck, and on the ground's a debit card. Turned upside down, I turn it over, and it says Carol Carner on it. And the Lord's like, don't miss your burning bush. <laughs> you know, don't. I'm like, Carol Carner. He's like, look it up. What is Carner? And I, and I look it up. It means heap of stones. He's like, dig deeper. Where's the heap of stones? I was like, Jacob, Laban. I was like, you know, Joshua, the Jordan. Uh, he's like, look it up. And I find out that Jacob, it means Mizpah. And I go look up Mizpah. And this guy writes up this article. It's called Stone of Light. And he's like, look it up. I go look it up, and it's where Samuel gets great victory as a judge for all of Israel. Look it up. It's where they brought forth Saul to be king at Mizpah, Karner, digging deep into the Lord. And he's called John Harris. He's literally had a dream the night before that matches perfectly with my experience with a red debit card. I go turn the debit card into Ingalls and give it to them. I said, well, here you go. But I was like, Lord, listen, don't. Don't miss him. He may be in a bird. It could be in a poem. He could be God is omnipresent. He's omniscient. Don't dismiss the moments in your life. I have this huge encounter with the Lord off a red debit card. And it matches with the prophet of God. It's happening everywhere around you. Ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate your understanding. He, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. Now, that can't be the case. It is. I don't get into all my applications on that, but I'll tell you, it became a symbolic moment in time and space where I entered into this understanding with the Holy Spirit, which is God's using to lead our family. Um, holy is his name. From generation to generation, he's merciful, what? To those who fear him. Fear as in, we say respect. The beginning of wisdom is what? Fear the Lord. What I'm talking to you about is a path Job talked about it that no man can knoweth. They say the fifth dimension is like so rolled up into times 10 to the negative 33rd power. It's so rolled up and so small no man could find it. But if you, if, when the pressure comes around the womb of God to bring forth God's life in you and it gets down to this really, really place, there's a place with God and you can go through the narrow gate. You'll find the word of the Lord and he'll meet you there every time. It comes out of the fear of the Lord reverencing him, right? The, the wisdom, you receive this wisdom. James 1 tells us what? A double-minded man is what? He has no stability. He said, don't let that man think he'll receive anything from the Lord. But he says, but hey, if you'll ask me for wisdom, if you'll ask me, I won't make you feel ashamed for it and I'll bless you with it. The fear of the Lord, she said, he will be merciful to us, those that fear them. And he will, listen to this, demonstrate power with his arm. I, I also, this week, I sent you an email out. It's talking, Bob Jones is talking about the, the great stadiums that are going to be filled by the Lord in the end of this age. He said that Jesus... 
July the 3rd, I believe it was, 1984, came in on a beam of light and sat down at his table with him. I believe what Bob said because for three or four years before that, an angelic presence came to him and said, the Lord will come and speak to you. And the Lord tells him this when he comes sit down at his kitchen table. For this end times, he says, I want you to pray to me, Psalms chapter 12. In Psalms chapter 12, the first verse says, the godly man perisheth. That's one translation, probably King James, because perisheth is kind of like King James. But the godly man perisheth. He says to Bob, he says, pray that I will raise up in this end time champions. Pray that I'll raise up an end time champion army that will, uh, that will not want the gold, the glory, or the girls. That will not fall to materialism, sensationalism, or power in a wrong way. That will not give in to it. Pray I'll raise up an end time remnant that will not do that. <clears throat> he says, pray and ask me. And Bob's kind of confused. You're sitting right here. Why are you asking me to pray to you? He's like, pray and ask me for this. Enter into agreement with me. See, you know why we have events? Because we must enter into agreement with what heaven is saying. We must declare it, pray it, worship with him, we must agree with him here on the ground. What he's doing says, ask me for these champions to be raised up. Psalms 89, David was a champion in his day. Number two, he, he says, pray that their faith faileth not. The church is going to go through some of its most difficult hour. He said, pray that their faith will not fail. Ask me that the faith of the remnant will not fail in the end times. And number three, Bob says, Lord, will you give us power? Because you know when you go out on the line like this, if you don't have any power, if there's no demonstration of power and you don't show up, Lord, what good is what we're doing? And he says, I will give it in that order and I will give power to the end time remnant. But first, that God would raise up the champions, the, the heroes, the godly ones who would, their faith would not fail, but the godly ones who will not Brad Ames said this many times he had an audible voice come to him that will go beyond anointing and gifting who will not want to be seen for it. Neither will they even desire that anybody will know them in this way, but they would set their affection on Jesus. The end time leadership would be like that, right? And that the remnant offspring of God, you and I would not fail in our faith. Number three, with that, the Lord will release power on this end time remnant. What, is it, what does Mary say here? Verse uh, 51, he has demonstrated power. God is going to demonstrate power at an unprecedented level like you've never seen on this Elijah end time remnant company with the Lord will bring and rain down fire from out of the heavens. Um, he scattered those whose pride wells up with them out of sheer arrogance of their hearts. Uh, anything we do, you know, when I was in flight school, well, actually I was in officer training school, they had these smear the peer cards and everybody had to write up something on their, their fellow officer. And, uh, oh, that was painful. I get set down with my uh, lieutenant who's leading us and sits me down, he's an unbeliever. He says, uh, Lieutenant Moffat, I got to talk to you. And I said, oh, no. 
about what? And he says, well, all your peers said you were the most arrogant person they've ever met in their life. I was like, it's not true. They just don't understand. <laughs> and if you had to fly a $60 million aircraft, you, you know, I, anyways. <laughs> I was like, what do they know? <laughs> They're just mathematicians and scientists. I'm a jet aviator. <laughs> God will scatter the arrogant. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. He'll take their heart and scatter that thing. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and he's lifted up those of lowly position. He's filled the hungry with good things. He sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel remembering his mercy as he promised our ancestors to Abraham and to his descendants forever. If any of you get a revelation on this, I'm going to finish with this verse. If you come up, Stephen. Last verse. If any of you get anything on this, please let me know. Ask the Holy Spirit because I think there's something here, but I don't really know what it is. And I've, Maybe you will know. But I'm putting this forward to you. Why did Mary stay with Elizabeth about three months and then return to her home? There's something there. I don't have it yet. I was like, Lord, I know there's something with this. I, I don't understand. There's something actually on this, and it, there's an application to it. But I, I got this sneaking suspicion. This nor normally happens with me with the Lord, but what is it? And I put this forward to you. Why does she stay with her three months? Hey, let's all stand together. Thank you for being patient today for taking courage today for this move of God. Thank you for letting me get through this sermon to encourage you. Jesus, Jesus, oh man. Chief among 10,000. Chief among 10,000. Saying this to me all morning. This is beyond even what the place that we've been in the church. This is beyond the church. Not, not we, the church, but beyond the mechanistic systems of the church. Listen, this is beyond our nation and the governments of this world. This is so far beyond them. Let's just say infinitely. He is infinitely beyond every national system and every social system. Um, he's beyond. He's beyond socialism and nationalism. There's no structure. I'm getting hit. There's no structure. He's a person. He's a man who is God. 
He's God, man. He's the majestic one. He's the most holy one. He is the chief among 10,000. Of 10,000, of 10,000. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's Alpha and Omega. He's beyond our concepts. He's beyond our emotions. He's God, man. He's God. He's God. Oh, man. He's filled with love. He is love. postulates, these theorems, these these empirical truths, this system of Herod, this system of Pharisee, Jesus warned his disciples, be be careful of the leaven. Hold on. Get, Get the leaven out of the church. Get the leaven out of the remnant. He said, beware of it. Like, be aware of it. Don't, don't, don't get into socialism and nationalism. Don't even pay attention to it. Set your heart right now. Just, ah, trajects up, trajects up, exalts the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the praise of our King, the, the great and coming one, the one who's going to split the eastern sky, this glorious Son of God, this, this one who's... Uh, founded in love, this one seated at the right hand of the Father right now, ever living to make intercession for us, this one, this God-man, Jesus, the very Son of God, the personhood of the Godhead. My soul exalts the Lord. My soul lifts you up. My soul honors you as the majestic one. We love you, Lord. Leap up to the new platforms. Leap up in the air where there's no place. Climb up onto a new platform of light. Take the leap. Take the leap of faith. You may be being challenged right now, but jump. Jump, 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 jump. Out into you. Just keep making leaps. Don't stop. You're leaping over the edge again and again and again and again and again for love, for love. Just take courage. You, the remnant offspring, take courage. You are the ones. You are the ones who take courage. You're his sons and daughters. Go ahead and, uh, and come forward and for communion, and we'll take communion together, okay?
took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. cup and he said this is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you do this in remembrance of me may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace amen